The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, on January 1st, 2012, based on Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus our Savior is Acts chapter 4 verses 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone or cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Gabriel had told Mary nine months Earlier, an angel in a dream had told Joseph the same, and so on the eighth day, one week after his birth, there wasn't any discussion on what to call this child. They brought him, probably to the local synagogue in Bethlehem, to be circumcised, and at that same time, uh, the child was customary, it was customary to give the child his name. Circumcision was that sign of the covenant the Lord had made with Abraham some 20 centuries earlier, the promise that the Savior would come through his family line, the Savior through whom all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And as the priest performed the ceremony, this child was given the name Jesus. Now, he wasn't the only baby named Jesus. For example, in Colossians chapter 4, we meet a a different man who has that same name, Jesus. In fact, Jesus is simply the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which is still common today. They both mean the Lord saves. But how different this name is for this particular child. It's not simply a reminder that Salvation comes from the Lord, but this baby is the Lord himself who has come to save. And so for you, dear friends, fellow Christians, the name Jesus is not just another sequence of sounds. It's not simply an indicator, uh, identifier for this particular baby. What goes through your heart? when you hear that name, Jesus. Would you echo the words of that slave trader turned preacher, John Newton, who wrote, How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in our believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away all fears. 
That's the name, dear friends, that has seen you through this year that has just ended. And it's the name that will see you through this year we've entered. For it's the only name that saves, which is our theme here today. But what does it mean that he saves? It means that he has rescued us by his blood and he blesses us by his resurrection. Those are the two parts for us to ponder as we cherish the name Jesus, the only name that saves. Now, those words from the text that you heard the Apostle Peter speaking were the words the Holy Spirit gave him as he stood before the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, This happened sometime after that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in that special way. They had healed a crippled person. But it really wasn't them who had healed him. It was Jesus, the risen and ascended Jesus, who had used them. And when the people ran to see what had happened and the apostles preached to them, they made that clear that Jesus, Jesus had done this miracle. And that's why they were arrested. And now as they stand before that council, the same council that had sentenced Jesus to death, they boldly confess. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify. Yes, dear friends, how the name of Jesus both confronts and comforts us. Let's think about that. Let's think about that as we revisit the manger. A week ago, we knelt at the manger. Such a humble birth, such lowly surroundings, such weakness and poverty. How should we feel when we come and kneel at the manger? Some people use the nativity to elicit feelings of sympathy. Look at that poor couple turned away from the inn. Look at that poor baby laid in a feeding trough. And yes, we are to show mercy to those in need. But dear friends, don't come to the manger feeling sorry for the baby there. He is the mighty God. He doesn't need our sympathy. Rather, think about those shepherds that came. How did they react? The scriptures tell us they returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Such joy! Yes, dear friends, joy is what we feel as we kneel at the manger, but not just any kind of joy, is it? It, It's not the joy that so many people are, are thinking about when they wish you a Merry Christmas or a Happy New Year. No, this is the joy of being rescued. The joy of knowing that no one else but this baby could accomplish that rescue. And that is what he came to do. And that is what he did for you. What joy. The joy of being rescued. And yet, that joy of being rescued can only come when we realize how much we needed to be rescued in the first place. Before the name of Jesus can mean anything real for us, we need to be confronted by how helpless we were without him. We need to be confronted by how helpless and hopeless our natural condition was. 
And so, once again, think about those words you heard the Apostle Peter speaking. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Those words accuse not only the Jewish council back then, those words accuse you and me for whose sins were counted against Jesus. Whose sins brought the death sentence down on him, not only from a human court, but from God himself? Whose sins did he carry from the moment of his conception until his death on that cross? Your sins and mine. We are the guilty ones. Our sinfulness confronts us. Recall what Jesus said to the women who mourned for him as he was led out to Golgotha. He said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For you see, dear friends, he does not want our sympathy because we are or we were the ones lost and condemned. We were the ones drowning in our own guilt and sinfulness. We were the ones who needed to be rescued. And that is what he came to do. The lowliness of his birth isn't there to elicit sympathy from us. Rather, it begins to help us see just how far God's Son would go to rescue, to rescue even sinners like you and me. And so also as we witness his circumcision on the eighth day, we too, we again see how far our God goes to rescue us. He who is God over all places himself under the law, submitting to circumcision because he came to take our place. That's how he rescues us. And we see the first drops of his blood foreshadowing how he would pour out his blood on the cross to pay for all the sins of the world. That's how he rescues us. His blood and only his blood can rescue us, for only his name saves. And so what joy and what comfort we have at the name of Jesus when we see what he has rescued us from, the mire of our sin, the dark pit of death, the fiery depths of hell. Only he could accomplish that rescue. And that is what he has done. His blood rescues you. For only his name saves. And this brings us us not only the joy of Christmas, but really now as we look back at the year past, we see that no matter what that year has been for us, we rejoice. Because Jesus has rescued us, hasn't he? He has rescued us by his blood. Yes, as we look back at the year past, you and I, we were far from perfect. Our sin, our failure, our our guilt confront us, accuse us. But Jesus has rescued you. Rejoice. As we look back at the year past, no doubt, like all years, it has its share of heartaches and hardships, of troubles and tragedies. Jesus has rescued you. 
rejoice. And my family knows a little of that firsthand this year with Mary's mother passing away on Christmas Day. But Jesus has rescued us. His name saves. That is what he came to do and that is what he has accomplished for you and for me. Only his name saves. For only his blood rescues us. What a name. What a name. And, and maybe as we've been talking about Jesus rescuing us, you, you've thought to yourself, yes, yes, Jesus has rescued me, but we usually don't call him our rescuer, do we? We call him our savior. And that's what the name Jesus means. The Lord saves. And the reason for that is that he has not only rescued us, has he? He also keeps us safe. He has not only pulled us out of that trouble, but he continues to bless us. He continues to, to watch over us. He continues to keep us safe for that eternal blessedness of heaven. And both of those thoughts, both the rescue and the continual blessing and salvation is included in that title, Savior. And so now as, as we move into the second part here, we want to look at that. How not only has his blood rescued us, but his resurrection blesses us. And once again, we look back to those words the Holy Spirit gave Peter to speak. Notice how Peter does not stop at Jesus' death, does he? It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Jesus is our capstone on whom we lead, lean. He is our cornerstone on whom we are built. He is our hope and our courage in this year ahead. For he is our living Savior, risen from the dead. How blessed we are by his resurrection. Think of the uncertainties Peter and John faced as they stood under the questioning of the council. They had already been arrested. Now, now what would happen to them? Would they be beaten? Imprisoned? Humiliated? Executed? But Jesus, Jesus was their hope and their courage. For they knew and believed with all firmness and confidence that his name was the only name that saved. For Jesus himself had risen from the dead he had conquered death. So not even death could separate them from their living head, from the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And so now, no matter what the council would throw at them, no matter what the world would throw at them, what hardships or crosses, what tragedies or losses would come their way, if death couldn't even separate them from Christ, certainly none of these other things could separate them from him either. And so no matter what happened, how blessed they would be because of Jesus. Our connection to Jesus brings us that blessedness. Or think of Mary and Joseph on that eighth day as they brought Jesus to be circumcised. Even with the prophecies of the Old Testament and the words of the angels filling their hearts, do you think they really knew what was in store for them as they moved forward in life? 
Not only did they have the uncertainties of the future that we all face, now they had the added weight of knowing that God had entrusted to them the care of the baby Messiah. But the Lord was their strength, their courage, and their hope. And so also, dear friends, I do not know what 2012 holds for you or your family, but I do know this, and so do you. Jesus is with you. He is shepherding you, directing you as his sheep and lambs, feeding you with his promises, strengthening you to resist temptation. Yes, as your heart is filled with that name of Jesus, the only name that saves, you can face whatever this new year brings with that hope, that living hope, that is built on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. For he is your risen Savior, in whom you are blessed. And, and what's more, we not only have hope, no matter what kind of hardships or troubles we might face, we not only have that hope that, that, that will not disappoint, we also can move forward with courage into this new year, a courage that goes forward in Christ as we make our plans. Yes, dear friends, as you plan this new year, keep Christ in all your thoughts. I don't only mean to plan out time to spend with Jesus in this new year, which of course we want to do, but keep Jesus in your thoughts in all the plans that you make. Whether it's family plans or personal goals or business decisions or financial planning and, and so on. For you see, we, we aren't to segregate Jesus just to certain portions of the new year. He is the only name that saves and he wants to bless us not only in certain times of the year but throughout the year. He wants to bless us and that means we want to include him in all that we we do. We want our hearts to be filled with that longing and desire for Jesus no matter what we are planning or doing. Keep in mind the words the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 when he says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And as you keep Jesus in all your thoughts. As your heart is filled with the desire for him, then you can know that there will be blessing in this new year. No matter how many hardships or tragedies might fill this new year, it will be a year of blessing for you. Now that doesn't mean that when we make our plans in Jesus' name, they will work out the way we are expecting. No, God, God is wiser than we are. Even good Christian plans may fail. But what I am saying is that no matter what comes our way as we plan for this new year, Jesus will be blessing us as we stay connected to him. And the more we are connected to him, the more we are able to see what those blessings are, even though they may not be the ones we were planning on. For he often blesses us in ways that far, go far beyond our earthly prosperity or personal progress. 
as we keep Him as our foundation, our cornerstone, we know that our living Savior is taking care of us no matter what. And so we go forward in this new year with that hope and that courage. For we know the joy and the comfort that comes at that name, Jesus. He has rescued you by his blood. And now as your living Savior, he is blessing you through this life, preparing you for the blessedness of heaven. And so keep his name on your lips throughout this new year. Even as as you did in that hymn we just sang, may this be your prayer as well in the new year. Jesus be with me and direct me. Jesus my plans and hopes inspire. Jesus from tempting thoughts protect me. Jesus, be all my heart's desire. Jesus, be in my thoughts all day. And never let me fall away. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.